October 30th, 2019, and I'm here with the Moby Health News team to talk about some recent developments in big tech moving into health. The big news this week has been the rumor that Alphabet, the parent company of Google, made an offer to Fitbit uh, for acquisition, now confirmed. Unclear whether Fitbit is going to take that offer, but we're going to talk a little bit about what it means that the offer was even made and that Google is interested in the wearable space and everything else Fitbit represents. But that wasn't the only big tech news we saw this week. Facebook introduced a new tool to help address gaps in preventive care by reminding people about checkups they might need. And Amazon made its second, that we know of, digital health acquisition with Health Navigator, a five-year-old Illinois company that offers digital health content middleware in the form of APIs that are already used by partners including Microsoft and MD Live. We're going to start out chatting about the Fitbit news, but first, let me introduce the Moby Health News team. Hi, I'm Laura Lovett. I'm an associate editor here at Moby Health News. I'm Dave Moyle. I'm also an associate editor here at Moby Health News. Thanks for joining us, Dave and Laura. So, let's start with the big news. Uh, Fitbit acquisition rumors have been swirling for feel like years now. Um, what makes this one different or interesting? Well, we saw a little bit of this about a month ago, specifically in terms of another Reuters report saying that, hey, Fitbit is considering weighing their business. They brought someone on to advise them through the process. Maybe they're looking at Alphabet. We're not totally sure. And then earlier this week, the same outlet, I, who knows if it's the same anonymous sources, but they say, yes, Alphabet has put in that offer. And, you know, that's a concrete thing. That would imply that Alphabet has at least some game plan in mind and something that they want to gain from Fitbit's business. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because a lot of people talk about, you know, the new entrances to health all have kind of their bucket, right? And Al um, Apple, rather, has always been kind of the hardware and so it'd be interesting to see Google coming into the space and then kind of adopting that hardware as well um, and looking at, you know, health in a different way. And I think it is worth mentioning that, you know, Fitbit hasn't had their highest highs for a few years now, but there is a steady trend of, I guess we can call it disappointments. They were really banking on the switch from uh, wearable trackers into smartwatches, and they came out of the gate relatively strong with the first Versa. It was selling out... Um, as they were moving forward, they had to increase their stock, and Versa Lite came up earlier this year and apparently didn't quite hit the mark. So they have some other things going on as well. They have the uh, health services, and they have, just about a month, month and a half ago, the new premium subscription app, but they definitely they weren't seeing the revenue that they were hoping for with that switch to the smartwatches. Yeah, I was at the Fitbit office a few weeks ago, and there was a lot of discussion around wellness, employee wellness, um, kind of looking at that payer market seemed to be really front and center um, where a lot of the discussion is. So, you know, if this was to go through, it would be interesting to see how that would kind of fit into, into the overall picture. I think it's worth noting that if you look at the sales numbers for the smartwatch sector, Apple has been dominating for a long time. Um, you know, Fitbit has been in the number two spot. A recent report from Strategy Analytics said that uh, Apple's share has dropped, and Samsung has kind of stepped into back into second place with Fitbit falling into a close third. Um, it's very possible, I think, that Google sees a, a way into this market with an acquisition of Fitbit. You can imagine that 
a Fitbit smartwatch uh, backed by Google's OS and software expertise as well as Google's sort of just a sales apparatus and, and consumer tech uh, foothold, especially with them recently releasing their own phone in the Pixel. Um, it could be a real challenge to the Apple Watch if they played their cards right. And I think bringing it back to healthcare, which is our thing that we write about, you know, the Apple Watch's dominance in the smartwatch space has created a lot of opportunities for it in healthcare, whether it's through the partnerships with United uh, Healthcare, using it as uh, an employee wellness incentive, or through things like the Stanford Heart Study and the FDA clearance, where they're actually looking into medical implications for the smartwatch. So Google has Verily. They have uh, their own study watch through Verily. You can imagine that if they really wanted to take on Apple, they could probably do it in the health space as much as in the consumer space. At least they could make it go. That's not to say anything about uh, Google Health or DeepMind or all the other big data-esque plays that we know Alphabet and Google are very much into. Uh, Fitbit often likes to brag about how they have one of the largest repositories of consumer health and wellness data, just all their millions of devices sold users who maybe log all their data, all their uh, health trends. I can see a company that has that type of expertise with machine learning or just big data analytics coming in and refining Fitbit's health insights or health coaching efforts that they've already got going on, like you said, Jonah, with a lot of enterprise partners. So we've talked a little bit about why Google is interested. I think the other big question is, will Fitbit bite? Uh, on the one hand, we've seen Fitbit, even from the very beginning, hasn't been doing as well with its stock prices as it would like. It's a company we've seen struggle, but at the same time, it's a company that has often seemed very set on making their own way as a new big tech company rather than uh, being acquired, which notably is something that happened to most of their early competitors. We saw Misfit get acquired by Fossil. Uh, we saw... Uh, basis get acquired by Intel, um, you know, and it, it's a better fate than what happened to Jawbone, but... <laughs> hey, Jawbone might be coming back. They're raising money for their, I think it's called Jawbone Health. They have some kind of pitch deck going around. That founder is trying to make a move, and it's going right back in health services, so they're not without competition. Mm, I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I think is interesting about Fitbit is that it has been making moves to kind of expand and do different things. Um, so, for example, you know, it's looking at the enterprise market. In 2018, it acquired Twine Health. So I'm interested to see, you know, how that market's kind of growing, and is that something that they're kind of, you know, looking at for the future that's going to be, you know, they're not going to want to sell, they're trying to make their own moves, that kind of thing. I would love to see, bringing it back to Alphabet, we're talking about the health analytics services, the infrastructure that Fitbit has been putting down. Verily has Onduo, and you know, that is the same level of diabetes care, using data, using devices to track um, the trends of the users. And that's a very clear case where another device, another tracking device that is consumer friendly could slot right into an existing business plan, especially considering, Laura, like you just said, Fitbit has been laying this groundwork for a couple of years now. And Fitbit's been working on the, uh, the atrial fibrillation thing, too. So the potential to directly compete with Apple. And I think Onduo is a great point. I mean, with all of the fingers Google has in different things, they could even leapfrog Apple to something really desirable space to be in, like 
continuous glucose monitoring. I mean, I, we have to talk carefully about continuous glucose monitoring from the wrist because I think a lot of people still think it's a, it's a fantasy. But I also think the tech world thinks it, it, it might be doable. Any other points we want to make on this topic before we move on? Well, Fitbit's a big name. It's got plenty of very active users. People are an asset in this sense as well. You have a lot of brand loyalty or allegiance, the ones who are logging their data every single night. Let's face it, Google and Healthbit at whole would probably love a giant body of engaged users for whatever it is they're planning. To your point about the brand, Fitbit is arguably the Kleenex of the fitness tracker company. When people say Fitbit, they just think any kind of step tracker. Um, And that's a pretty desirable place to be and uh, something that it's hard to wrestle away from a first mover. I know something we were talking about, too, is where would it fit in terms of Alphabet? You know, does it go to Verily? Does it go to Google Health? Structurally? Like, yeah, where yeah. will it go? Um, I mean, Verily is much more, I always see it as much more like a life science, um, kind of, you know, life science enabled by tech. Uh, but, would, but would it go there, or would it have more of like a Google Health look? Or does it go to wherever Pixel lives? Yeah. Which, I don't know if it's its own group, or... I think that might be under Google. Yeah, under Google. Oh no, that's Googleable. <laughs> <laughs> to, to the Kleenex point. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to talk about some of these other uh, big tech news, a little bit smaller maybe, but also more concrete. Uh, Dave, you reported this Facebook story. Uh, tell us a little bit about what happened there and what the upshot might be. Sure, and just as background, Facebook has a good handful of, I think of them as more public health initiatives when you think about just the size of Facebook, the reach it has, the market penetration across almost every single demographic, they like to put together these efforts to raise awareness. For instance, the alerts about blood donation in the area, or even um, they could put together some disease maps using their trends data. And to that point, their latest thing is another information-minded approach and... I was speaking to them late last week for this week's news, and the number one thing that they wanted to stress is that this is informational, this is focused on raising awareness among Facebook users, and was built from the ground up to be separate from a lot of their other commercial activities. In that point, the news itself is that they've put together a tool where Facebook users can input their age and sex and will receive a list of recommended screens or checkups that they should be having within the year in terms of a preventive health standpoint. And once users put in that data, they can use an interactive checklist to make sure that they are keeping up to date with, for instance, a flu vaccination or what checkups they've gone to uh, complete. And also they will receive a map of nearby providers that can offer the services that they're being recommended or even just where they can get a local flu shot. And very importantly to them, and maybe this is a bit of an ode to their ongoing privacy issues going all the way up to Congress, as well as public sentiment, uh, all that information is very stored separately from everything else they're doing. None of this information, when you put it in, will ever be used for advertising, they said. I should stress. They say uh, none of it will ever be used for advertising. Uh, you can share the tool but none of your Facebook friends will know whether you've actually used it or what your answers are or whether you've gone to the checkup. Facebook never sees any information that comes from those actual visits. They won't know if you went for a heart checkup and you have any risks 
for a heart attack, for instance. They only know that this is recommended to you. Have you checked the box saying, yes, I've gone? And all those recommendations, they made some partnerships with a lot of leading academic or professional organizations, provider organizations. All those recommendations of a 40-year-old man should get XX and X checkup come from clinical guidelines that they've put in an effort to strip down and simplify for the average user. I guess it's a little bit comparable to Google's I voted feature where they want people to share that they voted and they want them to get other people to vote, but they don't want to provide a tool that makes lets you say who you voted for. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, like I said at the beginning, a product, a tech product with a ton of users, um, very baseline, very simple. This isn't anything complex and it's anonymous just to raise awareness. It's interesting too when you're talking about the you know, I don't want anybody to know who I voted for, that kind of thing, but they actually are also pushing groups for patient groups where you can share that information. So there is places, you know, it can be anonymous, you share, you got a checkup, um, but then there are places where patients can, can share on Facebook, and that seems to be kind of a driving force now. Yes. Facebook seems to be going very hard into the mental health area. It was just a mm -hmm. few weeks ago, um, they launched a big push. They had features, um, picture filters or chat stickers that were all emphasizing let's talk and the outreach of one mutual Facebook friend to another saying, hey, I'm open to discussions about mental health and your wellness. You can reach out to me and we'll have a private messenger conversation, talk this through so you know that's that kind of support. And of course, Facebook being a social network, maybe that's what they can do best in terms of health and encourage the communications between peers that are positive in a health direction or raise awareness of ongoing large-scale efforts. Again, and I feel, unfortunately, everything we say does have to have the caveat. It is Facebook. They have a lot of privacy or data monetization woes going on, so I don't want to say use at your own risk, but you have to have that in mind in the large scale. Well, I also think that that's worth thinking about when we think about the motivations here for Facebook. I mean, on the mm -hmm. one hand, they do need good press to balance out their bad press, and I think these sort of public good, public health, philanthropy efforts help with that. But I also think that, you know, uh, Mark Zuckerberg's wife, Priscilla Chan, is a pediatrician. The two of them started the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative together to, to put a ton of money into medical research. They donated so much to a hospital in San Francisco that it got renamed. Uh, you know, they, they clearly... Clearly, this stuff is near and dear to their hearts, and and, uh, and Facebook is very much a founder-led company. So, I have a tendency to believe that there is a lot of uh, legitimate goodwill going into these things, and, and it is certainly true that millennials especially don't really like to do their schedule checkups and, and preventive health things, and we've seen stats to that effect. So, you know, potentially this is a way to make a deal and move the needle, but... Also, it maybe distracts from other bad press Facebook has been getting lately hmm. around political decisions, around political ads, and things like that. Almost feels like an understatement to put it that way. <laughs> Let's move on to the Amazon news. Amazon made its second digital health acquisition after acquiring PillPack last year. Uh, this is a much, apparently, a much smaller acquisition than PillPack. Um, the company is called Health Navigator. It's been around since 2014. Um, it doesn't appear to have done any public fundraising. Uh, and Health Navigator is what I call a digital health middleware company. Uh, they're not 
so much selling a product directly to providers or to consumers, but they're working with other digital health companies, including Tidocare, Pager, Avisia, MD Live, and Microsoft, and they're offering APIs that can connect uh, their clients to things like aftercare instructions, clinical documentation support, uh, diagnosis engine, triage tools, other resources, in, through things like chatbots and, and national language processing. You know, what I think is interesting about the news is that um, reportedly it's going to be wrapped into Amazon Care, which is, you know, launched for Amazon employees. And there's been a lot of discussion after the J.P. Morgan, Amazon, and Berkshire Hathaway deal about a year and a half ago, you know, what is that going to look like for employee health or what is it going to, how is it going to change healthcare in general? So it's interesting to start seeing, you know, different moves be made in that space and for employee health specifically, with their employee health specifically. Yeah, I think Amazon Care is, I'm not one who usually likes to bet on these things, but if I had to bet, I think Amazon is, is testing something that they want to roll out more broadly. I mean, I'm sure they do care about their employees, and this is a, also probably a cost saver for them in the long run for their employees on healthcare. But uh, the idea that they're not that they're investing this much in it, I think they're looking to actually get into some kind of digital primary care offering through telemedicine uh, that they could sell broadly the way they sell everything else. So then the question comes up, what's going to happen to Health Navigator's old partners? You were just saying they're already doing business with some other companies. Does Amazon let them keep doing that? Does Amazon sell out that API? Or are a lot of people getting their APIs yanked out from underneath them? So, yeah, that's a great question. And Amazon has confirmed the news but hasn't really talked about it a lot publicly, nor has Health Navigator. Uh, Chrissy Farr at CNBC, who broke the story, did... Uh, learned by talking to some of Health Navigator's existing partners that they don't appear to be renewing their contracts. So those companies may need to find someone else or may need to build some things in-house fairly quickly. Um, it's not too surprising that Amazon would, would cut off the potential competitors. And that's, I think, a fairly standard way of, of doing business when a company like this gets acquired. What's interesting is we also have PillPack and then you say like Health Navigator, and they're so different, and they're so, you know, I think Amazon's goal with them is also very different. A lot of analysts have been saying Amazon is going to be retail health. That's how we're going to see Amazon. But actually, we've seen a lot through AWS as well, a lot of that back-end stuff. So it'll be interesting to see if it's going to, you know, maybe it's both, maybe it goes both directions, um, but they are just such different acquisitions. It'll be interesting to see which direction they go in, in the future. Well, I think we should wrap it up around there for now. Um, not a lot of other big news this week from the tech space, although notably, we did notice that Apple rolled out the new AirPods, and once again, they don't appear to have included a heart rate tracker in the AirPod. That's a long-standing rumor based on some patents, uh, maybe someday, but this time around, noise canceling has, is the feature that they're, uh, they're choosing to promote. And so far, that seems to be enough for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, I have a love-hate relationship with my personal AirPods. 
Well, thanks so much, guys. This is really an exciting time in digital health, and I think when we have a week like this where so much news comes out from so many big companies, it uh, certainly raises a lot of questions about where this space is going next and what it's going to look like in five or even ten years. Thanks, everyone, for listening.